All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life, your favorite show on the radio. Around the table today, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring Reformed Church, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. I'm Josh Bells from The Well Boise. Guest host today, Ben Rowell from our church, right? Yeah. Kind of mostly? Yeah. Did you guys know? We live in Boise now. So Ben moved on my same street. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) We do Somebody feel sorry to. for Ben. We can, but, we, yeah. can, we can meet but in the middle. But we're glad that you're being held accountable. <laughs> yeah, God I, has I, a way of doing that. <laughs> yes, he does. I definitely need it. So we have been talking about um, the doctrine of eternity. We've, we're kind of wrapping up our series with uh, Paul Trevis' book. I think this is the longest series in radio history. This has got to be like part 58, I think. And... Um, now, again, the great thing about this book is that it gives you the doctrine and then it gives you the corresponding practice. And so the last chapter in the book is the doctrine of eternity. If you've missed the last couple of podcasts, just go subscribe to The Gospel for Life. So today we're going to start off with um, this question. Will the new heavens and the new earth be physical? And I know you want to Yes. Do yes. Yes. It will be. Yes. <laughs> Next. Uh, <laughs> That was a good start off Why question. is that? So the reason why, I know, I mean, the reason why I ask it, though, is because that's actually a bit of a of, of a controversial statement. I mean, uh, if, if you guys are familiar with Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, uh, I actually think it's a really good book. I don't agree with every jot and tittle in it, but uh, there was actually a statistic, um, I think, reported by one of those places that does these things. And um, they asked the question, um, "Will there w- is heaven a physical place? And they, they did the statistic amongst evangelicals. And a majority of evangelicals basically said, no, heaven is, is like a spiritual world. And so and somebody might be thinking, well, who cares? Why, why make this distinction? Why does it matter, physical versus spiritual? It's just going to be better than here. Why are you even talking about it? Why is this important to, to affirm that the new heavens and the new earth will be physical? The sense of the scriptures from the beginning and end is that with God creating humanity, it was a creation so that he might have fellowship and communion with them and dwell among them and be with his people. And so the great theme that permeates scripture is that God is with his people. And so that was that creation in the garden. And then what happened in the fall is that it created separation um, because of sin and then the great promise was that that god would would come again to his people initially in the incarnation of jesus christ emmanuel god with us and then the promise of jesus at his ascension is that he's coming to again this is the teaching of the upper room discourse to take you to myself and then the great promise that the Bible ends with is that in the new heavens and the new earth, that God once again will be with his people, and his people will be with him forever. And the sense of all of that is that with the new heavens and the new earth, you have a recreation of this world, not back to Eden, but a better Eden. Mm. Um, and that from that point on that God dwells with his people and that there is a sense in which we're living on earth as we always ought to have um, in a new heaven and a new earth where in essence they meld together um, because God eternally will be with his people in this world. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if we, you know, you guys just got back from a conference um, at Ligonier where they were kind of expositing the first chapters of Genesis, right? Um, in those first chapters of Genesis, there was an affirmation on God's part about the goodness of the physical world. It is good. It is good. It is good. Mm-hmm. It is very good. Um, and when he created man, um, the, the definition of man is, of course, that he's made in the image of God, but that he is a body and soul union. To, to, to go to this disembodied state, uh, so I, we, we affirm that in the intermediate state, we will, we will be disembodied spirits, but at the resurrection, we'll be rejoined to our body, and that was God's original good plan for this universe. I actually think part of the reason why I asked this question is because just like the early church, I think sometimes there's a kind of a Gnostic view that's, that creeps into Christianity, essentially saying, well, the material world is dirty, dirty and bad, and mm-hmm. the spiritual world is good. And so that this actually affects the way that you live your lives, because if you're just focused on, well, I'm just going to focus on the this, 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 this spiritual part, just the church part, just you know, reading my Bible part, and you forget about all the physical world that's around us, that's actually not fulfilling what, what God would have us to do in the cultural mandate. So I think it affects the way mm-hmm. that we think about life every day. Now, having said that, um, it is important to, to think very much about uh, that spiritual component. Um, Psalm 73 um, is a wonderful psalm. Um, can you? I know. I know you probably well, taught was, on it. I was just going to pick up on the, on this idea of of creation. Uh, I was still thinking in the terms of what we were saying there. You remember in Romans um, where Paul in Romans eight is talking about. I don't consider the sufferings of this present time worthy to com- be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. And then he goes on to say, creation itself waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. Mm. For creation was subject futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Mm. So God's purpose is for creation as well as for each of us sitting around the table here uh, and, and every other believer. Uh, glory is waiting for creation as well. Um, Isaiah 65 is about the new heavens and the new earth, and that theme is picked up in the later chapters of the book of Revelation. Maybe. What's that? Maybe, but go ahead. No. (laughs) Josh has some sanctification to do. I do, a a lot. It's a process. Quite a bit. And one of those is in his eschatology. This is why you guys... He's doing a great job. He's almost there. (laughs) This is why you guys are going to have larger cups than me in heaven. (laughs) And in that, he's talking about what is happening in so they'll build houses and inhabit them they'll plant vineyards and eat their fruit they shall build and another inhabit and and not and they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat it's talking about a real reality um that the the end of the book of revelation is going to pick up on that we have a real existence body and soul mm-hmm. in the new heavens and the new earth and and that we live um, and we work and we engage yeah. in life. Um, it's not some, I mean, we have some weird ideas that somehow we're going to be like little cherubs um, yeah. floating around. No, we're going to yeah. be glorified human beings. Well, that's, you know, being in the image of God, um, God labors. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even when uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is talking about our Sabbath rest in Hebrews chapter four, um, or when Jesus is t- teaching in the gospels, he says, look, my father is working even up until this day. So labor and like building houses and building cities and engaging in the cultural mandate, we're not even, I mean, we're not, we haven't even started that yet. I, I would say like the, the real um, building of the new heavens and the earth is still future. And it's going to be absolutely glorious as we bring in the treasures to the king and, 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 and offer them up as, um, as worship to him. So if you have this view, this kind of Gnostic view that heaven is going to be floating around on a cloud, man, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-mm. Are you guys ready to go to Psalm 73 now? Okay, sorry. I, sometimes I jump the gun. I'm, I'm like a little puppy dog that sometimes pees on the ground, you know, and I'm just getting hey, really excited. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Too much information. Not here, Josh. <laughs> so Psalm 73 um, is a wonderful psalm. Um, Asaph is, is looking around at the wicked, and he starts to despair because he sees that the wicked are excelling and they're having success and prosperity, and here he is um, – living for God, and, and he's like, what good is it doing me? What profit is this life if the righteous are the ones that are suffering and the wicked are the ones that are uh, prospering? So how does, he, how does he recover from this envy? Because it's an autobiography, right? He, he's almost envious. He, his foot almost slips. How does he recover from that? Right in the middle, the center of the psalm, it says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Mm. Um, It's very similar to the thought of Isaiah 84, where the psalmist says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And the sense is that this life is all the wicked will ever have. So whatever wealth, whatever success, whatever glory, whatever um, whatever Pleasure. they yeah. get, that's it. That's all it is going to be. And yeah. for the child yeah. of God, this side of eternity is the worst that we'll yeah. ever have. This is all the heaven they'll ever enjoy, that's right. and this is the hell that we will yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, and... and the, the, there's some of the greatest verses that exist in Psalm 73. When Asaph recovers himself, right? He mm-hmm. says in verse 25 and 26, whom have I in heaven but you and on earth there is nothing I desire besides you. Uh, my flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, Trip talks about, Trip uses this phrase, eternity amnesia, um, meaning that we can get so focused on the, the here and the now, the temporal, the, the visible things that we see, and it draws our eyes off of God and we start to interpret reality in terms of the here and the now, the secular. Uh, this, 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 biography, this autobiography that Asaph is doing here, it, it helps us to recover from our own eternity amnesia, doesn't it? So he lists several things um, that having an eternity amnesia does to you. So some of the symptoms are these, like unrealistic expectations. So if you fail to keep eternity in focus, you will continually to ask the present world to be for you and do for you what it never can. If you guys experience that in your counseling as, as pastors and husbands and fathers where, I don't know, a daughter or a friend is is so crushed and discouraged because 
they've stopped their, their yeah. gaze is wrong one of the ways in which you talk about that very thing is you you talk about the idolatries we have in our own heart you know i mean we we create these if only idols if this will happen for me then i'll be happy if this will happen and so that those idols always have a way of uh, destroying us rather than uh, you know blessing us because in the end there's they're not realities they're not um they're they're temporal in in every respect and oftentimes uh, they lead us away from the thing that we're supposed to be delighting in most of all you know the one that you know you know, you know seek seek him and his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you the the idea that you know the real blessing comes from uh, following god yeah mm-hmm. that whole idea of satisfaction um is such a struggle because we we do want temporal things to satisfy what they cannot and mm-hmm. and it leads to disappointment and discouragement and discontentment um and really what psalm 73 is saying is no my true joy and and my true satisfaction really can only be met in Jesus Christ alone mm-hmm. and i think this is just a constant struggle of life of of remembering that we have all spiritual blessings in Christ and they come to fruition in eternity with him where we'll behold him in all of his glory. Um, And this is why Paul can say this light and momentary tribulation um, is is pales in comparison to an eternity with with God. And that's really what Psalm 73 is saying. There's there's another psalm that ought to be read in conjunction, and that would be Psalm 37, where it, it says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Trust in the Lord and do good. Commit your way to Him. He will bring forth your righteousness as light. You know, read the whole Psalm 37 in light of Psalm 73. Amen. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.